What is going on, everybody? This is Angela, and you are tuning in to She Said What? This is episode three, and I actually asked you guys on a poll uh, through my social media what you guys wanted to hear next on the podcast. Did you want to hear more about the motel story? If you don't know that, uh, you definitely want to head over to my social media. Or if you guys wanted to learn what my biggest life lesson has been over the past 31 or 32, again, still don't know, uh, years of my life. So I am going to be doing more of that and kind of uh, seeing what kind of content you guys want me to bring to you. So uh, biggest life lesson won by a landslide, which I'm really excited to talk about because it's actually a funny and ironic uh, life lesson, I guess. It's funny story. Well, it's not, it, it wasn't funny during the time, but it's funny looking back now. Um, but if you guys want to have more say in what we actually talk about on the podcast, you're going to want to follow me on Instagram. I am the period sensitive period savage period show. Okay. And on Facebook, I am Angela Musco. Okay. So I'm going to be posting a lot more of those polls. You guys will be able to, uh, kind of vote and see, uh, or give me some feedback on what you want to hear more of. Okay. So in order for me to talk about the biggest life lesson that I have had over my uh, 30 plus years of life, it is very, very important I give you guys a glimpse into my childhood, okay? So I have ADHD. Um, for those of you who, uh, I think everybody knows what ADHD is, uh, but for those of you who don't know, back in the day, uh, ADHD had just started coming out. Uh, and when I was a kid, uh, my parents didn't know very much about it. Um, I remember there being uh, some sort of stigma. I don't. I, I obviously don't remember as a kid the, the stigma around it, but even as a teenager, when some of my friends were diagnosed with ADHD, a lot of people thought it wasn't an actual anything. <laughs> they didn't believe that ADHD was actually anything. There's a lot of people actually that still believe it, and it is something, let me tell you. But a lot of people thought that it was a cop-out for kids or a cop-out for parents, okay? They thought that it was a sign of you know, just giving kids an excuse to be lazy or an excuse to be unmotivated. And if you guys know me at all, you know that I am not a person who is lazy or unmotivated, okay? I just struggle, right? And I think that uh, there's still a lot of stigma around ADHD. ADHD um, and ADD, uh, but it is something that is very real. It is something that has impacted my life profoundly, um, both in negative ways and in positive ways, okay? But when I was a kid, I was just the bad kid. I was the loud kid. I was the impulsive kid. I was the kid who couldn't focus in school. I was the kid who got bad grades. I was, I was, just, I was just not the kid that you want your kids around, right? I was the quote-unquote troublemaker, And I remember being a kid and I remember being very confused as to why I was getting in trouble for a lot of different things, okay? If I was struggling in school and having a hard time focusing, well, I was just making an excuse. I knew what was going on in my body. I knew what was going on in my brain, but I couldn't as a child. It's very hard as an adult to even explain uh, how ADHD affects me. Obviously, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot of coping mechanisms. Um, I've, I've, I've gone through it, so it's easier now. But when I was a kid, I did not know how to express to people that some of the things that were happening were out of my control. And what happened was... 
I started to not care anymore because it didn't matter how hard I tried to make friends, okay? It didn't matter how hard I tried in school. It didn't matter how hard I tried at home. It didn't matter that, you know, some days I would for, forget my lunch or I would forget, you know, to grab my coat on the way out or I would forget to, you know, I would literally wear like mismatched shoes or whatever. And like, well, my punishment was no lunch. My punishment was no coat. My punishment was whatever. Those are obviously very dramatic, uh, I guess, situations, right? That's, that's just what I could think of off the top of my head. But it was like, because I struggled with focus and because I struggled with keeping everything together and because I was always on step M, like LMNOP, before I could even go to step, you know, get through step A, B, and C, right? And I would go back and then I, it was just a chaotic mess, I was constantly in some sort of trouble, okay? And again, my parents had no idea really what ADHD was. When I got diagnosed when I was about uh, 25, uh, my mom was like, oh, wow, like that makes a lot of sense, right? Oh, maybe I was like 20, maybe I was like 27 or 28 when I got diagnosed, when I had the conversation with her. It made a lot more sense, okay? So this wasn't something, please don't, don't mishear me on this. My childhood wasn't terrible, okay, compared, right? I'm going to talk about some things that I actually went through, but I in no way blame my parents. I in no way blame anybody. It just wasn't something that was known back then, right? So what started to happen uh, as I got into like my preteens and my my teens is I just really didn't care anymore. So uh, for those of you who do know me, you know that I am very, very introverted. And I ask myself all the time, am I introverted because I was born introverted or am I introverted because I literally taught myself how to be an introvert and be in my head all the time? Because what started to happen was that anytime I was around a group of people, okay, uh, people that I knew, people that I didn't know, I would sit back and I would watch, okay? And a lot of people thought I was stuck up and a lot of people thought I was bitchy and a lot of people thought, you know, whatever they thought. But I literally sat back and I watched how people behaved. And I thought that if I could memorize how individual people behaved, then I could I could develop closer relationships with people because I knew how to behave around certain groups of people, right? So um, I just sat back and I watched and I wouldn't act, I wouldn't behave, I wouldn't do anything until I felt comfortable and confident that I knew how to behave in that situation, Okay, so I did a lot of sitting back and I did a lot of people watching and I did a lot of observing. Okay, and it um, it got me to the point where obviously people, family members, people that I knew I was so much more comfortable and confident around because I remembered I memorized their normal, quote unquote, normal behaviors. Okay, so, for example, I don't know, uh, one of my aunts, my aunt Stacy, she is uh I wouldn't call her soft-spoken. She is not soft-spoken, but randomly she will get very loud. She's always has a smile on her face. She is always laughing. She's always making jokes. She's always clapping her hands. Like anytime she laughs, that's her thing. It gets really loud and she starts clapping her hands laughing. Okay. 
I knew that and that was safe for me because I had memorized that. My Aunt Grace, on the other hand, uh, she was full of love, but she was so serious, right? She's still like that to this day. If she laughs, it's like a quick chuckle and you feel it because she is just, she's like, she is so full of love, but she is very serious, okay? So I remembered these things, and those are just obviously a couple of examples. I remembered these things about people. So I almost, it was like a lie detector test almost, like, right? Like I created a baseline for people's normal behavior. And then I was able to act accordingly, okay? And this happened in every situation of my life, right? Uh, Social situations, anytime I would go meet new people, anytime I was at uh, a party or an event or a funeral or uh, going into a new class or switching schools or whatever, I used this coping mechanism, right, essentially, so that I wasn't known as the bad kid because I figured if I could learn the way that people behave and I can learn the norm of the social group that I could fit in well enough to not be the bad kid that stuck out, to not be the impulsive kid that stuck out, to not be any of those things. I could literally remember who people were and I could reflect that in my actions, okay? That's, that was my coping mechanism, okay? And then it got a little bit deeper because as I became a teenager, I just became a little bit more reserved just in general. And again, I don't know if like me being a very, very big introvert right now is because I was born that way or is because I, um, I kind of adapted to that, right? So something uh, that kind of came of that people watching and of that observing and of that figuring out who I need to be in different situations, something that came of that was then I was able to really recognize, you know, going back to the lie detector example, right? I was able to recognize when something was off. I was able to feel when something was off. I was able to really listen to people's words and figure out if they were lying or if they were telling the truth or if they were hiding something or if they were really excited about something or whatever. And I became the person that knew that the pregnant woman who was hiding she was pregnant was pregnant. I became the person that knew uh, when somebody was uh, depressed and they were trying to hide it, that they were depressed because I started feeling everything because I taught myself how to memorize all norms, okay? For me, relationships are very, very hard to keep, okay? So if, um, like my friends group, they know I am a very, very flaky friend, okay? And I don't do it intentionally. Um, And I don't want to blame my ADHD. There's a, a couple different components. But for me personally, having relationships and friendships is very, very hard because I literally feel everything. And it's very hard for me to detach just having a normal friendship or relationship without adapting to how that person is behaving or what that person is going through and then taking that on. So that is something that I still struggle with today. But back in the day, it was a coping mechanism, right? So going into adulthood, I was able to, um, I started noticing that I was able to very, very quickly process situations, okay, where a lot of people need time to kind of like process things, you know, like maybe an argument happens or a situation arises or whatever. I can do that in 10 speed. 
because I've literally trained myself how to do that in 10 speed in order to adapt to situations and in order to be welcome into situations since, since I was a, a young kid, right? So I'm able to go through the process of identifying how I feel, identifying why I feel that way, identifying how the other person in the situation or other people in the situation may feel and why they're behaving the way that they're behaving, and then how to handle it, okay? That process is very, very quick for me, okay? And it's almost quick to a fault in the sense that I have to now retrain myself to go back and process it all, okay? A lot of people come to me for advice. A lot of people come to me, how would you handle this situation? I'm able to read through the situation or I'm able to hear the situation and say, no, 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 this you, this is not what's actually happening. This is what the other person is trying to say. You need to hear them, okay? I am that person that people come to and I'm telling you, it was a lot of training, accidental training, but it was a way for me to cope my entire life. Okay. Now, something that I've realized in my life is that, and I'm no psychologist. I don't know if this is actually a thing. The only situations that this doesn't work for is narcissists for me personally. Okay. I am unable to go through that, how I feel, why I feel it, how the other person feels, how to handle it. I cannot do that with narcissists. So not that anybody, not that there's anybody in particular out there that like can really, you know, like, you know, get along with or have healthy relationships with the narcissist, right? Or have any relationship at all. For me, it is quite literally impossible to hold conversations or to have any type of healthy relationship with narcissists, okay? And I say that because I have been around them in my life. That is just something it doesn't work for. Everybody else it works for, okay? Every other aspect of my life. So now getting into what the irony of my biggest life lesson was, is I'm going to give you uh, just a a quick example, a quick story, okay? There's been many, many of them uh, about, I'm going to say, maybe six years ago, uh, we were living in kind of a rough town. Um, it was all that we could afford. Uh, it was a little over six years. Maybe it was like seven years ago, almost eight years ago. We were living in a rough town. It was, uh, we had just moved back from Virginia. This is where kind of like the motel story comes in, which is, is, ironic in itself. Uh, I will share that with you guys. If you haven't, again, please go over to my social media. I share a little bit of that on my social media and how far we've come. But uh, about seven or eight years ago, uh, we were living in kind of a rough town um, and it was very temporary, but it was all we could afford. Uh, we were looking for places. Uh, we decided to live there for a year. We were looking for places um, in uh, the county that we were in, um, good school district, safe neighborhoods, stuff like that, something that we could afford. So we had taken a year um, to live in the, kind of like this rough neighborhood so that we could afford to stay there and save up something so that we could get Ariana into a good school district because she would would be starting school the following year. Now, when we were in uh, that that neighborhood, uh, for the most part, people left us alone. Uh, we were in a small house. It was kind of on a hill. You couldn't really see it from uh, from the road, um, but our car was parked right on the street. And uh, one day we went out um, and we noticed that somebody had thrown a brick through the window of our car. 
and had stolen our iPod. Okay, so now for those of you who don't know, that was actually very emotional for us. Not the fact that the window was broken, which made us very upset, (laughs) pissed us off, quite frankly. But for those of you who uh, really don't know mine and Mo's story, when we started dating, we had nothing. We had no money. We had nothing. So we would go on drives in that car and we would just listen to music. So that iPod that they had stolen was literally years of our life. Our favorite songs, memories, all of that kind of stuff, playlists, because that's, we couldn't afford to go on dates. We couldn't afford to do that kind of stuff. So we literally would drive around and listen to music. So that was, that was very upsetting. Mo was upset for a lot of different reasons. I was more like the sentimental upset, I guess. <laughs> but I remember thinking when, when I was able to like actually process what happened, because I really couldn't believe our, our car had gotten broken into uh, for an iPod, a really old iPod, by the way. It was a crappy iPod. It was an old iPod. Uh, but... Once I realized, like, you know, what had happened, uh, Mo had cleaned up some of the glass. We had called the police, I think. I don't remember uh, exactly, exactly how we handled it. I don't remember. But uh, they don't, oh, yes, we definitely called the police because uh, they don't do anything for that kind of stuff. It's your job to fix the window. And that was obviously something that now we barely had money to, you know, just live in general. And we're trying to save up to, you know, move and get Ariana into a school district. And now we have to fix our car window because it was our only car and our only way for Mo to get to work, right? Um, so I remember my friend Jackie was there um, and we went back into the house. Uh, I think we were waiting for the police and, uh, you know, she had said something along the lines of like, that is so crappy. I just hope like I, I wish bad things upon upon that person. And I don't I don't remember exactly verbatim what she said. I just remember looking at her and I said, no, I don't, because quite frankly, I feel really sorry for that person to have to break into somebody's car and steal an old iPod. And that's the way that they have to, you know, that's the way that they can get something, right? Because, you know, they may or may not have had the money. I, I, we never found out who it was, but, uh, if that's the lifestyle that they lead where they feel the need to, um, steal from other people, because that is the way of, you know, getting the things that they want in life. I pity that. I feel sorry for that. And I would never want anybody to feel sorry for me. Uh, So I kind of look at that as like the worst thing that you can think of somebody, right? And I said to her, I was like, you know, what really really upsets me is I, I know that we're not in this position right now. I just know that, you know, maybe one day in the future we could be in this position where, you know, had we caught him trying to, you know, break into the car, and he really just wanted the iPad that or the iPod that badly. I would rather have just bought him one, right? And again, we were in no position to, to even even think about buying anybody else an iPod, right? Like we we, we were trying to feed our family, right? But that was just the process that went on in my head, and um, really from that point on. Uh, just being able to really recognize the fact that I have a gift and I don't know if it's a natural born gift. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's more of literally training myself how to adapt with empathy. And I think that empathy is something that um, not a lot of people have, unfortunately. 
But for me, empathy is something that I know nobody can ever take from me. And that is really, really powerful for me uh, to just know that uh, my, my level of empathy and my level of compassion and understanding for somebody else, even though I may be upset, even though I may be impacted negatively, even though X, Y, Z, my ability to empathize with people uh, makes me, quite frankly, who I am. So my biggest life lesson uh, with all of that uh, and the irony that comes in <laughs> with it, you know, going from being the bad kid who doesn't listen, who doesn't focus, who, you know, just you know, is a troublemaker, is loud. The biggest life lesson that I have learned with every situation in my life is how to listen to understand. And I say that because I think that listening requires much more than words. It requires understanding actions and hearing. You cannot hear somebody unless you listen with your heart, okay? And I think that, um, especially from that moment on, and there's been time after time after time after time where I've been able to have that empathy. And don't get me wrong, I am nowhere near the perfect person. I am nowhere near, like, <laughs> I don't always respond to situations exactly how it should in a tech, like you should in a textbook or whatever. Like, I am nowhere near a perfect person, Um But something that I appreciate from my entire life and going through the process of adapting with my ADHD and just not wanting to be the bad kid is really learning empathy and really learning how to listen to understand as opposed to listen to respond and really learning how to listen to words instead of just hearing words. Okay, like you have to listen and hear and feel with your heart in order to understand. So a lot of community, like a, a lot of miscommunication happens, right? It's like the way people say, you know, don't have serious conversations over text, right? It's because we're reading the words or we're just, you know, we're just we're just hearing the words that are spoken, right? In, in any situation, right? But how much different would life be if you really, really listened? You listened with your heart and you listened to the words that people are using and you listen to people's speech patterns and you listen to, to what they're saying. A lot of the time, you know, people are, people are saying one thing, but meaning a completely, a completely different thing. A lot of the time people are trying to please other people with their words. A lot of the time people are trying to be accepted by other people with their words. A lot of the time people don't want to be a burden to other people. So they, they alter their words, right? How different could your life be if you learned how to empathize just to empathize and how to listen to just understand without saying anything back, without thinking about, you know, what's your next move, right? How much different would all of us be? And it just kind of goes back to, I think, um, just carrying on the fact that I think it's just so important in my adulthood to always be the person that I need or to be the person that I needed when I was a kid, right? How much different would my life have been had somebody just, you know, listened? How much different would my life have been if somebody just like, you know, actually watched and understood and, you know, this this whole ADHD thing was caught sooner? How much different would my life have been? Had I had that person who just empathized with, 
you know, what I was going through and the confusion and the, the, just all of it, right? Like how much different would my life have been? So, uh, that is, and has been one of my biggest life lessons and, um, beyond empathy. I just continue to treat people, um, the way that I would want to be treated or be the person that I needed when I experienced that situation. A lot of us go through a lot of the same things, right? A lot of us are much more similar than we have, than than we can even possibly imagine, right? How much different would life be if we all just took a step back and understood that we're not that, (laughs) we're not that much different from each other, right? And a little empathy goes a long way. Okay. So uh, I hope you all got something from that. Uh, I love sharing my story with you guys. Again, I'm going to create some more polls on my social media. If you want to head over there so that you can vote on Instagram, it's at the period sensitive period savage period show. And on Facebook, it is Angelo Musco. I'm going to be again posting uh, just some more options for you guys and uh, and we'll really get this podcast going. Thank you so, so much for showing up to episode three, my biggest, mushiest, <laughs> most ironic life lesson that I have learned. I love you all. I appreciate you all and I will catch you soon.